Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. So now you know what the cobra effect is, right? Anybody ever had the cobra effect happen in their life? They just didn't know what to call it. Where you tried to do something in your own strength and then it turned around and bit you. Yeah, I think all of us have probably been there a time or two. You maybe even did something like that on the way to church, right? No, no. Well, hey, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband, Troy, and I are the senior pastors here. So welcome to everyone in the room. And then for all of you that are joining us on live stream, I know we've got states from all over the place joining in. So we just welcome you. Um, This series has been incredible because I think that sometimes we think that a good idea is a God idea and they're not the same. Sometimes you can have a good idea, but it doesn't make it a God idea. And I started thinking of lots of different times in my life where this has happened and over and over again where I tried to put my hand to something and it failed. Thought about lots of different stories, but I thought how much better it would be to tell you one about my husband rather than one of mine. Because, see, he's not here, so I get the microphone. So this is really funny. We're from Richmond, Virginia. We grew up and were raised in Richmond, Virginia with my friends, Hollis and Nikki. Yeah, they came from Richmond down here with us. Um, But we are from Richmond. RVA is where we are from. And uh, Pastor Troy and I have been married for 28 years. Yesterday was our 28-year anniversary. And so he hadn't quite learned how often women are right yet because this was our first year of marriage. Um, He knows that now. But in our first year of marriage, um, we had this uh, cute little house, and he had bought me for my birthday uh, a little toy poodle who was about two pounds, and we were trying to potty train him so, you know, it was getting up all during the night and that sort of thing. 
Well, I kept telling my husband, it was about three or four in the morning every single night, I said, babe, somebody is walking on our deck. And he would just roll over and, you know, do what y'all do. You know you do this. Oh, it's nothing. Everything's fine, right? Y'all do that, right? You do. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Look at all those elbows flying. That is funny. You, you online, you elbow into. Um, so he said, babe, I just go back to sleep. Well, after like the fourth or fifth night, I just was, I, I'm like, I'm telling you that somebody is on our deck. You need to get up and you need to go look. Well, he goes and he pulls back the curtains, opens the door, and there is a massive raccoon on our deck. He said, babe, it's the biggest raccoon I've ever seen in my life. It's like a small child on our deck. And I said, well, you're going to need to call pest control tomorrow and, and get them to come and bring one of those, those cages and take them away so he can live in the wilderness somewhere. And he's like, I'm sorry, I got a different idea. I'll take care of it. Insert cobra effect. I said, babe, what do you mean you're going to take care of it? He said, babe, I got you. Just trust me. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. And, you know, I'm still learning the wife thing, right, because it's, it's our first year of marriage. So I just said, okay, all right. So the next night, I wake him up, and I said, it's back. I hear it, babe. It's back. So I, I, I wake him up. He gets up. He goes. He pulls the curtain back. He goes outside, and there's the raccoon. And I said, how are you going to fix this? He goes, I'm just making sure. I got this under control. He goes over to his dresser drawer, opens the top dresser drawer, and pulls out a quote-unquote pellet gun. <laughs> quote-unquote pellet gun. You can see where this is going, don't you? He goes over, and it's about 4 o'clock in the morning. He starts firing off this pellet gun and you hear like boom 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 three times and it is the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life and I said are you sure that's a pellet gun yes I'm sure I'm like okay I like babe we're gonna need to just call the police and let them know that that was you what are you talking about nobody it's four o'clock in the morning nobody's heard that I'm like babe all of the neighborhood heard that the neighborhood beside our neighborhood heard that. He's like, babe, somebody will just think it's like a car backfiring. I said, no, they're going to think somebody shot off a gun. It sounds like a gun. And he said, just go back to sleep. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. Right? I said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to call. You need to let somebody know. Next thing I know. There are blue lights all in our house from outside. Blue lights on all the walls just spinning around. And I said, I told you. I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. Now you're going to need to go outside and deal with this because I'm in my pajamas. And so I was hiding behind the door, right? And there's police officers up and down our street. All of our neighbors are outside. And my husband comes out and he goes, I'm sorry, officer. Officer, it was me. I, you know, I had, I had a pellet gun. I was just trying to get a raccoon to go away. He said, sir, can I see your pellet gun? Yeah, yes, sir, I'll go get it. And he brings it out. And they're like, sir, that is not a pellet gun. That's called a 22 caliber. It's not a pellet gun. 
Sir, do you realize that people in your neighborhood who were out watering their flowers thought someone was trying to murder them? They dropped on the ground. They drag crawled back to their house to call 911 thinking there was an attempted murder happening. Do you realize what you have done? He goes, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. It's not even registered to me. It's not mine. I borrowed it. I just can't even believe this is happening. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. Like all the neighbors, everybody's outside. And the sir, he says, sir, are you married? Yes, sir. My wife told me it was a bad idea, sir. She told me I shouldn't do it. I mean, sir, I'm going to need to see your wife. She's inside, sir. She doesn't want to come out. She's got her pajamas on. Sir, I'm going to need to lay visual eyes on your wife. Here I come out in my pajamas, wave to the neighbors, wave to the police officers. Hi, officer. We're newly married, and he hasn't learned to listen quite yet. I will work on it, I promise. Ma'am, are you okay? I am okay. Do you feel threatened in any way? No, sir, I don't. I am good. I am so sorry. Everyone, go back to bed. I am so sorry. A good idea is not always a God idea. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Anybody ever had the cobra effect bite them before? Yes, not just Pastor Troy. In the Bible, and y'all, y'all need to send him pictures of raccoons on his Instagram. Go on his Instagram, at Troy Maxwell. Follow him. Inbox him pictures of raccoons. Seriously, he, he needs to be reminded of his ways. In the book of Esther, I want to take you to this story first. In the book of Esther, there is a ruler who is quite evil. His name is Haman. He is the second in command in the kingdom, and he does not like a man who is after God's heart. His name is Mordecai. Mordecai loved God, and Mordecai had standards, and he would not back off of his standards no matter what laws came down the pipe. And so Haman is walking by, and he realizes that Mordecai is the only one not bowing to him, and he gets really upset. And he tells him that he needs to bow, but Mordecai lets him know that there's only one person he bows to, and that is God, and that he would not be bowing. Mordecai let him know that God Almighty is who he follows, and he wasn't bowing to anyone or anything but God. Well, Haman knew that he was a Jew. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews were considered God's people. In the New Testament, all of you who aren't Jews, which would be the Gentiles, how many of you are Gentile? All right, we got grafted in. Right? That's why all this race stuff is really ridiculous because all of us got grafted into the same vine. Do you understand? So God's chosen people in the Old Testament were the Jews. In the New Testament, it's everybody that said yes to Jesus. Right? So God's people in the Old Testament were told to bow down and worship Haman and the king, and they said no. 
Well, Haman went to the king. The king was not realizing that his wife, Esther, the queen, was actually a Jew. So what Haman did was he tricked um, the king into killing off the Jews because he said they're a pesky people and if we don't get rid of them now, they're not going to bow their knee and if we don't do something now to end this, they're going to cause us problems in the future. So we need to get rid of all of them. Just get rid of the whole population, right? Kill them all off. So what you see happen is The king makes a decree based on Haman's suggestion and prodding and convincing. And he takes his signet ring and he makes a vow that all of the Jews will be killed. Now, once he were to make that vow with that signet ring, it cannot be changed. He cannot alter or change when he has made a ruling with his signet ring. So on March the 7th, 473 B.C., all of the Jews were condemned to be killed. Esther decides that she's going to go, even when she hasn't been called, she's going to go and let the king know of the plot and really what's behind it all. You see, Haman had made gallows for Mordecai to be hung by. He wanted it to be done in the open in a big public square because he was so angry with Mordecai. Haman was so angry that he wouldn't bow. He wanted to make a public show of this is what happens when you don't bow and you don't do what I say. When the king was told about all that was going on and the why behind the what, because see, he he was just going with the flow. He was just thinking it was a, a, a good idea, right? But insert cobra effect. A good idea isn't always a God idea. So here he was going along with things, and then he realizes that Haman is really out to destroy a whole group of people because of jealousy, because of insecurity, because he felt threatened, and that his wife would be included in that. So what he did is he did a few things. First of all, he couldn't erase the decree he had already put into play, so he made a new one. And he took his signet ring and he said, I am given the Jews. Please let them know there is a secret plot against them. There is a secret plot to destroy them, to keep them quiet so they won't bow. I'm making a new decree and giving them the power to fight back. I will give them the tools to fight the enemy. I can't change that they're coming for them. But what I can do is I can give them the tools and the power to fight that when the armies come after them, they will defeat and destroy them. And as far as Haman goes, the gallows that he made for Mordecai, he is going to hang on those and everyone will know that if you go against the God of Mordecai, this will be done to you and more. And he made a decree that they had to serve Mordecai's God. It's not the only time we see that in scripture. As a matter of fact, if we fast forward a little bit, we see that there are four young Hebrew boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel had an incredible uh, prophetic voice. Daniel actually went to the king because the king was having these horrible nightmares and 
The king wanted them interpreted, but nobody could interpret the dreams because not only was the king not telling them the dream, the king said, hey, I am not going to tell you what the dream is because I want to know that you're legit. You're going to tell me my dream, and then after you tell me the dream that I've dreamed, I want you to interpret that dream and tell me what it means. Well, Daniel interpreted the dream, and he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, your rule is going to come to an end. Your kingdom will be torn from you. And he knew that this was from God because he never told Daniel his dream. So what does King Nebuchadnezzar do with only a limited time left? He figures he's going to get as much glory as he can while he is still alive. So he decides that he is going to build a gold statue that is 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he's going to erect it and make people bow down to him. And not only that, but it'll outlast him. It'll be there for generations to come of how King Nebuchadnezzar had everyone to bow. Let's read that in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. All the important people were going to be there. So all these officials came and stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out. What is a herald? One who delivers the news. We know that's not a good thing, right? Anytime the news is saying it, we, we got to take a little closer look. What kind of news is he going to be delivering? He said, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, everyone bought in. Do you hear that? Everyone was buying in. They bowed to the ground and they worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The story that I just read to you, it took one man not bowing his knee for all of culture to change. And in this story, everybody bowed their knee except for three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not bow their knee and the king was furious. He was so angry. He was livid. But how in the world, out of all those thousands of people that were invited to this ceremony, how did the king notice that three people didn't bow out of all of the crowds? Well, he didn't. You see, there was this, this group called the astrologers, and they were jockeying for position in the kingdom. 
and they wanted to unseat Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and wanted their position in the kingdom. So what they did is they went and told the king, Hey, king, man, we love you. We got you. We are bowing. But there's these three that aren't. And we just thought you should know, king, they are not listening to what you have said. And uh, we think you ought to do something about it. Because, see, we're faithful. We're loyal. We got you, king. But, but they're not. And, and we just wanted to let you know. And he said, are you kidding me? There are people in my kingdom that will not bow their knee. Bring them to me. Bring them to me right now. Verse 13, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. Okay, okay. Could you imagine out of all those thousands of people and they have to be brought up to the palace, could you imagine how many times those people who were bringing him, the king's guards, are like, dude, like, just just bow your knee. You don't have to mean it in your heart. Uh, But everybody's looking. Could you not just, like, do, like, a courtesy bow? I mean, come on. Nobody's going to need to know that you're not agreeing with what culture is saying. But by all means, just bow your knee so everybody won't look at you. Just pretend like you're going along with things. You can feel different inside. You can know that you don't agree. Just, Just give it, like, a little courtesy bow. Just a little, a little curtsy. The king is furious. I will give you one more chance to bow down. Come on, guys. We're almost at the palace. Can't you just go along? He, he's not going to know who you really serve. Just do it. This could cost you something. Can't you just bow to the and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the instruments? I'm going to give you another shot. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Guys, this is so simple. You're going to lose your position in, in your kingdom. You're going to lose your reputation. Somebody might unfriend you on Facebook or block you on Instagram if you start standing up. Somebody might not like you. They might accuse you of something. They they might call you a name. Why in the world would you just not bow to this? I mean, it'll be over soon. It's only when the music's playing. Why are you making such a big deal out of things? I mean, you could lose your reputation, your livelihood. Or in this case, your very life. Why won't you just bow? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to what? Bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they what? Tied them up and threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were securely what? Tied. And what's the next word? They fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, I I see four men. And not just four men, but what's the next word? Un. Bound. And what's the word after that? Walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a God, a little G, God. He's still in the process of getting it, right? Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he looks in and he shouts, Shadrach! Meshach! Abednego, is that you? Look what he says next. Servants of the Most High, capital G, God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, the officials, the governors, and advisors, all the important people, Watched what happened when three people chose not to bow. They crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Why is that? Because they didn't bow. They did not bow when culture told them to bow. King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise 
to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defiled the king's command. Sometimes that's what you got to do when it goes against the word of God. Are you hearing me in 2020? Are we woke yet? They were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this degree, decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb. Most of us would read that story and go, I can't believe they would bow to a golden statue, to an idol. But how many of us in this room are bowing to something right now? We're not speaking up like we should. We're bowing our knee because we don't want to lose a relationship. We're afraid of our reputation. We might get accused of something if we speak up. If we say what we need to say. We're, we're, we're addicted to the idol of people-pleasing or the idol of playing it safe. We're used to being Switzerland. I don't want to put a dog in that fight. It's not worth it to me. I'm just going to go to work, do my job, come home. I don't want to have a dog in that fight. Uh-uh. No. I'd rather just remain neutral. Call me Switzerland. Not going not gonna to get involved in anything. You see, here's, here's the problem with that philosophy. The problem is, is the world isn't being silent about what it's doing. And when you and I as Christians remain silent because we think we are keeping the peace, because we don't want to be brought before the king, because we don't want people looking at us and accusing us of something, if we really speak up for the truth, what does that look like today? I never thought in the year 2020, in my lifetime, I would be having to fight for the right to worship God in church. Pastor Troy and I went to California about two and a half weeks ago trying to get churches back opened because the governor of California shut churches down for seven months, said you cannot worship, you cannot have a home Bible study, you cannot sing, but... You can go get a lap dance at the strip club. That's essential. You can go get your marijuana at the dispensary because, see, that's essential. You can go to the ABC store and get your liquor, but you cannot go to church. So we are having to fight to get churches opened. In the United States of America in 2020, you want to see this girl get mad? You want to see me fight? You take away my right to worship God how I want to, and it's all, it's all over. Mm -mm. You think, man, well, that's just California. No, uh-uh, it tried to happen here too. Our governor made the same rule. What happened here, though, is 200 churches all rallied together and sued him, and he lost, and we had to open back up. (laughs) 
And some of you go, oh, 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 we shouldn't talk about, about politics in church. I'm sorry, when you tell me I can't worship God, that's not political. We shouldn't talk about politics in church. I'm sorry, when 33 million babies are being violently killed, I'm sorry, that's not politics. That's my Bible, and I will speak up. When I am watching so-called movements rise up, and instead of uniting brother and sister, they're causing race wars, you think I'm going to be quiet? Oh, uh-uh. Oh, no, no, no. You see, here, here's what society will do, right? Like if you say, hey, marriage is between one man and one woman. Do you know what society will do? You're a bigot. They'll come after you. The angry mob, they'll come after you. And so you go, well, I don't want to be called a bigot. I'm going to be quiet. Oh, no. You be like blind Bartimaeus. When Jesus is around, your voice gets louder. Son of David, get louder. Or when you see people that said, hey, hey, this is, you, it doesn't matter if you, you, you can be this gender or 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 this. Oh, no, no, no. My Bible says he made them male and female. He created them. And if you say that, people attack you. And you know what a lot of Christians do? Oh, I don't want to look like I'm a bigot. I don't want to be offensive. I'm sorry, but the Jesus in my Bible, he has flames of fire coming out of his eyes. This whole wimpy Jesus stuff, we got to get over that. Jesus is not a wimp. You know, there's a difference between a peacetime general and a wartime general. Did you know that we are in a war right now? The devil is trying to pit people against each other because that's the first thing you do in a battle is you divide the house. And then the enemy comes in like a flood. You guys, this is strategic. This is a strategic play that has been played against the church. And if people tell you to be quiet... You tell them the spirit of the living God is inside of me. I am a city on a hill and my light will not be put out. People are like men and women are being pit against each other by these quote unquote movements coming out. I'm sorry. I am not a feminist. I want my husband opening my door for me. I'm called to stand alongside of him, not in front of him and not behind him. I am called to stand alongside of him. And people want to try to say, oh, you know, if a man speaks up, well, you're, you're a misogynist. What are you going to say to me? I hate women. Everybody's trying to get everybody to be quiet and say, you don't get a dog in this fight. I've had to course correct some things racially that have been going on. And I've had people say, you don't get to say that because you have a white face. And I said, oh, no, 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 time out for a second. I want you all to hear me when I say this. If my ability to pastor you is based on the color of my skin, then you're in the wrong church. If I can't pastor you because I have a white face, 
or if I can't pastor you because of my gender, we need to learn what the Word of God has to say. The color of my skin, the fact that I am a woman, if I read Galatians 3.28, it says there is no male or female, no slave or free, there is no Jew or Greek. In other words, we've got to live higher. When Jesus died on the cross, we all got grafted in. None of us were worthy. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care what your socioeconomic status looks like. We either believe the word of God or we don't. It's as simple as that. And I'm not saying there aren't things in our flesh that we have to deal with. My gosh, I've had people say things to me as a woman leading at the level I do all the time. But guess what? They aren't the ones that called me. When you're the one that called me, anointed me, equipped me, and appointed me, then I might listen. But I think we've made people's opinions a little too high. And so we get our feathers ruffled if somebody says something about us. I just want to live for an audience of one. That's all I want to do. So how do we stop the bow? We stand on the word of God and that is it. Nothing else. If you aren't convinced the Bible is God's word, you're going to bow to these idols that are coming down because there's more to come. There are more idols that are coming down the pipe. No matter how hot that furnace gets turned up, don't bow. I want you to hear this, church. This is very important, what I'm about to say to you. You need to hear this. In Revelations 2.20, this is Jesus speaking to his church. Hear this. If you don't get anything else out of today, get this. Jesus said you tolerate and you are putting up no resistance You're allowing things into the church to go unchecked. He said, I have this issue against you. Stop tolerating and allowing things in that aren't of me. How do we stop the bow? Is know that your faith inside must be stronger than the pressure outside. Whatever one is strongest is going to win. You'll respond to whichever force is greatest. Is it the pressure you're getting from the outside or is it the faith that lives on the inside of you? Isaiah 6.1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You must, number three, love God more than your comfort. If you are being quiet right now with all that's happening in our society, why? Because you're afraid of a business deal falling through? Because you might lose a customer? 
Pastor Troy and I started getting really bold over the last four or five months because of all the stuff that's going on. And we saw groups of people being deceived. And the Lord said, don't you dare take a back seat. You better stand up because the spirit of Jezebel that tries to threaten and intimidate and keep you quiet will push the prophets in the cave. All I need is one Elijah to stand up and challenge the prophets of Baal. That's all I need. I just need one. Will you be the one that stands up? That stands up. That says I won't bow when the heat gets turned up. Will you remember that there is another in the fire that is standing right beside you? that has not left you. You are gonna walk through this. Even, you will walk out and even smell smoke free. Sing this out and just worship.
you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House 
and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.